For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash No BS Guide. Hey guys, Greg Scheinman here. Another week, another episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week. I greatly appreciate the support. Joining me on the program, super excited about this, Ken Rusk. He is the author of Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Life. It is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Ken started his first job as a ditch digger at 15 and turned that into a successful company. Today, blue collar trades are just as much a path to success as they were then, but fewer people pursue them. But the economy is in desperate need of skilled tradespeople, which makes now a perfect time to become blue collar. It's very, very cool. And I love Ken's perspective on our life's purpose and how we can share our unique gifts with the world. He shows you how you grasp the unmatched power of giving back while providing you with amazing tools to help you achieve and live the life you truly deserve. Really enjoyed this conversation with Ken, bringing a completely new perspective as someone, quite frankly, who did not, grow up and was not raised to consider certain types of blue collar entrepreneurial careers. Ken's perspective is really fascinating how he has built, evolved, and grown into the hugely successful entrepreneur that he is and what he is doing now, coaching, writing, speaking to help people out there design the life of their dreams. So let's get into it with Ken Rusk on the Midwife Mail podcast. You know, when you were talking about, you know, this, this blue collar, you know, mentality, and it made me start to think about a buddy of mine who, you know, called himself a plumber. And at the, and at the heart of it, turns out 
not just a plumber, but he's a guy who owns a company with, with, you know, 50 plus trucks out on the road, you know, there. And where I'm going with this is I feel like there's this little chip on the shoulder kind of badge of honor of, Hey, don't forget about us over here Mm -hmm. in, in blue collar, you know, in blue collar careers. Because again, Edgar's driving a really nice car. Edgar seems really happy. Edgar's, you know, taking care of a lot of great people, you know, that work for him. And I think it's very much overlooked. At least, you know, I can say this in, you know, I think I've looked at it through a very narrow lens. I think even my kids are looking at it through a very narrow lens. Your example on, you know, shop classes being replaced, you know, with computers in there. I think it's all really valid that it's not, it shouldn't have to be binary one or the other. Mm-hmm. I'd love, love to kind of hear you, hear you on that. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny because the other day, um, you know, I, I go to these parties and there's parents around and whatever. And I remember a while back, there was um, some couples and they were kind of huddled in a, in a circle and they were talking, well, you know, my son is going to go to this college or my daughter is going to go to that college. And it was almost like that was their trophy, you know. And and I remember one of them saying, well, what about what's what, what about uh, so-and-so's uh, son? What's he doing? Oh, he, he's just a plumber. And I'm like, okay. So I know who that person is and I know what they have. And like you, you, your example, he's got several vans, several employees, and he's making, you know, excess of $200,000 a year just being a plumber. So it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of like the unsung hero thing. I mean, you can't really name a white collar job anywhere in the United States that doesn't begin their morning with a blue collar job. Okay, in, in, in some support mechanism or some infrastructure mechanism or some way, shape or form, you can't even walk into a building without a blue collar person having done that. So, you know, I, I, I just think that if an economy is supposed to be balanced, you know, just like your own personal body, you know, you, you, you eat right, you get enough sleep, you get enough um, of education, you get enough uh, work, you get enough exercise, all those things balance you out. An economy needs to be balanced. And when it gets out of balance like it is now, where we're way oversupplying these bland business degrees that aren't specific to any career and and making kids really good at beer pong, and we're undersupplying contractors of, of all kinds, you can see what's going to happen. And the smart person is the contrarian thinker and says, I'm going to do what other people aren't doing, and that's going to make me a really good living. Mm. Do you think we're widening the gap between the haves and the have-nots? Mm. No, I, I, I well, I, I think we could have. I think we could have if we, if we, if we kept going on this path. But th- there's a lot of people that are trying to. Uh, if you look, there's 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 blue-collar groups on on Facebook and whatnot that are trying to get this word out that hey, you know we have plumbers, carpenters, and electricians making more than lawyers right now. Okay. So you really need to be to, if you have, look at it, I guess you look at it this way. If you have four kids, unless you have a specific path for every one of them, or they do, chances are probably one or two of them probably aren't meant to go into a debt laden college scenario and probably would be better off doing some type of of work, whether they become um, a master chef or they become a carpenter or they become a welder or own, own their own company, like you just said, I think we really have to be cognizant of that and um, and just just make everybody aware that if there is 
four or five paths to success. College is just one of them. It's not, it's not all of them. And I'm not an anti-college guy, Greg. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to operate on my shoulder so I can get back on the golf course, I'm going to want you to know everything there is about that before you pick up a knife. So, or if you're a teacher or a banker or, you know, an engineer, I mean, yeah, you have to do that. But beyond that specific type of career, you really need to think about the other side. Absolutely. I think it's a great point that you don't have to be anti-college to be pro, you know, work, pro blue collar work. And again, to understand the options that are available out there. I think it's also, it's twofold, just like, you know, you don't have to go to college, you know, or you could say, yes, you go to, you can always go back to college, just like you can always get another job, right? You can start college at any time you know, as well, which I think gets, gets lost, you know, in, in this. And the notion again, of having to go to college to have the degree or, do you think it's mainly or predominantly, as you said, fear or, or image, you know, you talked about, you know, the cocktail party, this one's at this school, this one's at this school. Oh, what's that one doing? He's just a plumber, you know, but when you peel back the layers again, who are the doctors and the lawyers and the accountants calling, you know, when the toilet doesn't work, you know, when the sink is backed up, you know, you know I, I, I tell this story. No, I've been, again, I've been very blessed and I've been very fortunate and I, I've done some pretty cool things in my life. And, um, my property is pretty cool. I've worked really hard at it and it, it's nice. And, but nobody ever rolled up into my driveway and saw what I've accomplished and went, wow, what college did you go to? I mean, that's never happened. Um, people instead they'll roll up and they'll look around and they'll go, holy cow, Ken, how did you grind this life out? That's a whole different conversation than the first one. And so I just think that if you have a really clear vision of what you what you want your life to look like, and I think that's the crux of all of this. In fact, it's about half of my book is is all about visualization. If you know what you want your life to look like, if you begin with the end in mind, there, there is so many different paths to get there that the the progression or the realization of your life's nirvana becomes the important thing not necessarily the path to getting there uh, this is really controversial greg but sometimes i think it's not so important what you do for a living as it is what you do with what you do for a living okay mm -hmm. and and I, as long as you can see your life i mean ditching was number 99 on a list of 100 things that i wanted to do i wanted to be a race car driver but it was a means to a very good end and it's done me pretty well so far. So now do I still get to race cars? I'm fortunate. Yeah. I, I have a couple cars and I race them and it, that's, that's my thing. I, I got that out of my system, but I just think it's really important that we, that we look at, uh, at those opportunities. You know, you mentioned something also, it was all spot on and interesting, but you talk about, you know, a list of a hundred things, you know, that, that we do. And I think we're all more than one thing. Hmm? Overall. And you talk to a lot of people when they've, this is not what I ever want, thought I was going to be doing, you know, or what I know. And I fell into this, you know, and some of them get lucky and, and, or not lucky. They work at it. They fell into something and it turned out to be, turned out to be great. Others, you know, fall into something, not happy. They don't change. They don't do anything to change it. You know, snap their fingers in 15 and 20 years of dissatisfaction, you know, goes by. Right. Others jump out hmm, and say, I'm going to start I'm going to pick anything on my list of a hundred, but it's going to be better than this, you know, thing that I've been doing that I know, you know, I'm, I'm unhappy with. Um, but this notion, and you talk about it, you know, about 
you know, what you're doing and also like how you're doing it. Yeah, race car driver was on your list, but what interests me and I think also gets overlooked is you know the proceeds and the and the from what your profession is can enable you mm-hmm. to take part in the hobbies and passions. Not every one of your passions needs to become again your your vocation, you know, your job and your career your career in there. And this notion, again, of leaving a job that may not be perfect, maybe you reframe that. You talk about visualization a lot. This career that I have, this job that I have, if utilized correctly and done well, can allow me to own a couple of cars. I can go take for a spin around the track, you know? You know, and then I don't lose my love for racing because as soon as you make sure. something that's a passion, a career, sometimes you end up losing your love for it. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I mean, I enjoy boating too, but I don't ever think I'd want to work at a marina because that would probably, you know, kill the thing for me. But you just make a really good point. I mean, when you think of what what you currently do for a living, you know, I always hear the words, oh, I'm really getting ahead or I'm finally getting ahead. Well, draw that. Here's a crayon. Here's some paper. Draw getting ahead. What does that mean? That means in my mind that you see that you're in control that you are, uh, your life's puzzle is coming together for you. Just like you see when people build a puzzle on the table, they'll build the square edges first and then they'll start infilling the middle until the, the vision shows itself. Well, but you always start with the vision first. I mean, you're looking at the box of the puzzle, you're looking at the picture, and then you're trying to get there. It, it never is the opposite. It, if I gave you the pieces and just poured them out on the table and didn't give you the picture, You'd have no chance of finishing that puzzle. So it, it, to me, it's all about no matter what you do, it's about seeing where you're going. Okay. It's about seeing what you want, that nirvana. I call it comfort, peace, and freedom in the book. It's about seeing those things and then taking whatever path you can to get there. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, th- this whole thing about stigma, white collar, blue collar, save that for the cocktail parties, man. I mean, if I'm living my best life and I'm in control of my life, I, I need to please one person and that's me, you know, me and me and God and my family. Okay. Um, beyond that, uh, I'm, I'm good where I'm at. I'm, I'm good with the, uh, with the label, whatever you want to put on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. You wrote, I, I mentioned it and I wanted to come back to it. Too many people want to become millionaires. And one of the things that really stood out to me was this question of, do I really want to make more money or would I be happier with more time and flexibility? And Man, I, I, I just, love this. Like I, add, yeah. I just can't tell you how much I love this, how often this kind of thing comes up, especially in midlife, you know, guys in their forties and, and in particular, whether they're looking back or even looking ahead, you know, really take me through this, obviously no perfect life for everyone, but there are these questions. I love this question. Take it on for me. So I, I look at it this way. About, about um, 27 years ago, I went to a club med with some guys from the office, and, and it was like a year-end celebration thing. We'd worked really hard, and that's what we did. And we were there for a week. I'm sitting there at the bar, and every night you go, and they give you these beads, and you use beads for money to buy your drinks. It's kind of crazy, but it's fun. And they're always dancing and music and everything. I see this guy who's very, very tan, super blonde hair, He's, he's got not one wristband on, but he's got eight wristbands on. And those are the wristbands that signify when you're coming and when you're going, okay? So finally, I had to talk to this guy and said, hey, what's with all the wristbands? 
And he said, well, I work really, really hard as a landscaper in Minnesota, and I work hard for about nine months, and I bust my butt, and then I take 90 straight days off, and I travel around to all these club meds and just hang out and have fun. And he said, to me, my time, my freedom, and my ability to discover and to live stress-free is way more important than that extra money I could have made by trying to work 12 months a year. And I thought to myself, man, this guy has got it. You know, he told me, he goes, I have a really nice ranch house. I have a five-year-old pickup truck that runs perfectly. I, have, I own all my equipment. I just, I, I just, you know, winterize all of it. And then I'm down the road motors and I, and I have fun. And, and you know, the weirdest thing about that is I never got the guy's name. But what's, what's really odd is I happened to be in Cancun two weeks ago and I see a similar guy. Not the same guy, but a similar guy. And I asked him, what's his story? Same story. He, he said, I work as a, uh, as a HVAC guy, and I really work really hard. And then I spend two months down here in Cancun, and then I go back. And to him, his time and his ability to experience the world was way more valuable than the amount of money that he made. And, and, and to be honest with you, we all can find our perfect nirvana of whatever that is. And, and we're not all going to chase mega mansions and 15 cars. I think people should, should seek to figure out what that level of nirvana looks like, document it very clearly, draw it in full vivid color, and keep it in front of you somewhere so you focus on that rather than all the other noise that life brings. Mm, so, so good. You have used the word nirvana a few times. Mm, great, great word. Awesome. What does it really mean to you? Why did you start using using that word? You know, in your in your speech, in your conversation, where? Why do you pick Nirvana? So, have you ever had a conversation with somebody where they constantly say, "Do you see what I mean?" Where you ask them a question and they go, "Do you see what I mean, Greg?" And w- what they're really asking you to do is to try to try to get the picture that they have in their mind into your mind. Do you see? what I mean. And, and to me, it's all about, I'm trying to share a vision about a certain particular thing or subject. And I really want you to get a hold of that and see what I'm seeing. Okay. But those visions are all made up in our minds. And when we think of that perfect vacation, or when we think of that new car, when we think of the things we want to maybe take Spanish so we can go to Mexico and speak with the locals. When you think of those things, those are kind of you know, if, if I had them, I would have this sense of comfort, peace, and freedom. I would have this sense of calm. That could be considered my nirvana. And the best part about that is every one of our nirvanas are unique and different to ourselves. I prove this by I had everyone in my office draw their perfect vacation, and not a single one was the same. Some people went to the you know, the mountains, some people went skiing, some people went to the ocean, some people, you know, they were hiking or they're in the, in the big city or amusement parks, whatever it was, none, no two ones were the same. And I just thought to myself, okay, well, that's their little mini nirvana. Then we should find a way to help them get there. Mm-hmm. Have you found yours? Mm-hmm. You talk about the guy you see in Cancun and the other guy taking a few months off. Um, in, we just talked about freedom, you know, and how many cars or houses, you know, and you've got the acres, you know, that, that are there. Um, and then on top of it, you find time, 
make time to write a book, hmm? which again, you don't, don't have to, I'm making a bunch of money. I'm doing everything. It's, it's, it's laborious. I know. I just did one. It's not out yet, but it, it's, you know, yeah. it's years, you know, in certain cases and it's, and it's a lot of work. Have you found yours and, or is this the way that you're finding it? Well, first off, uh, it is the way that uh, that I'm finding it. I, I've absolutely found it. I mean, I have a, a great wife and a perfectly healthy daughter, and um, uh, she's about to be married this fall to an amazing guy, and we have a lot of fun together. You know, I, I'm in control of a lot of things right now. You know, there's certain things that are in your hands and certain things that are in, in fate's hands. I understand that, but I got to tell you, um, you know, I'm always looking for the next thing that I want to try to tackle or whatever. And I don't tackle that till I get this first one in front of me. And yeah, I've got all the things I want to have. I enjoy and I use those things. I don't just sit there and look at them. Um, I have great friends and um, the the ability to have the time to be able to spend with them in town and out of town. I've got the freedom to do what I want to do. So the answer is, yeah, I have uh, I have found my nirvana and my new nirvana now is trying to help other people see theirs. And I, I think I think you can understand this when I when I tell you this this piece. Have you ever seen one of those pictures that's nothing but a bunch of dots? And then the closer you get to it, you got to focus really hard. And then the pterodactyl shows up and you go, wow, I see it. Right. Yeah. That's my that's my thing now. That's my mission now is to help other people to see their pterodactyl and, and, and have that just show itself and then say, wow, um, I, I can go get this. And, and then, I, you know, help them to walk down those paths and, and then uh, see them, you know, realize the, the hard, the, the, the results of their hard work, I should say. That's, that's awesome. And you're bringing up these references, which also I think are so, are so perfect. So one, which club med did you go to? I'm just, I'm curious back then. It was in Cancun. It was one of the first ones actually. Okay, and you said because you know, we used to go as a family. My family used to take me to the to to Club Med. I just remember the beads and the bracelets. And, and, and when <laughs> yeah. I was that age and we were going, we were to, you know taking all the beads and trying to get drinks, and we shouldn't we shouldn't drink, and then we had no no perception of money, you know either. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that, no that was the whole spending, goal. Right. The beads, you know, you know <laughs> were you know made you forget all about money, you know, while while you were over there. <laughs> we used yeah, to and then the guy the guy that runs around singing the song "Hola." I mean, they sing that song all day long you know that um the igs and the ogs and all the different people that were um you know the the people who ran it um totally. yeah, that's that a pretty cool spot those were great and then that reference with the with the dots and the pictures i remember like those got so hot for a while too <laughs> like, right. they were in everybody's house and lined up two or three or all over but can you see it can you see it like it was just the <laughs> I don't know where they've gone. You know, so. I don't know where they've gone either. It's like, you know what, Greg, it's almost like the electric can opener. I mean, when I was younger, we had the crank ones, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got the electric can opener and that was really cool. You shoved it in there and slammed the handle down. It would open it by itself. Well, now all of a sudden those seem to be gone and now we're all back to the cranking the cans now. I, I don't quite understand. Yeah, what you know, we don't need this. It's just that's more trouble than it's worth. One more thing to break, you know, <laughs> right. Man, somewhere, sometimes manual is just fine. You know? Exactly. You stick with it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I love, I love those, those references. So I want to talk a little bit even specific about the book, but also why you wrote the book. You know, obviously now you're finding your your nirvana, but when did that tipping point occur to you to say, you know what, I've had all these experiences. I want to write them down. You know, I want to share this. I think I've got something to say. 
you know, here um, and what your process was of going about writing the book um, and what's happened with it. Because you said earlier, I think before I, I, I even pushed the button, like, hey, I didn't do this to make money, you know? Um, well, I did this because, you know, of these other reasons in my career. So, yeah. So um, I, I've been doing a lot of coaching and just so everybody knows out there, I don't have any letters after my name. I have no formal training in coaching whatsoever. I've almost became an involuntary life coach. You know, when you, when you build a company like ours, you hire a lot of people, you interview a lot of people and you're helping them with their, you know, their first job, you're helping them with their first credit card, the first checking account, their first apartment, whatever it might be, cleaning up their driver's license or whatever, whatever have you. So yeah, I, I spent a lot of time doing that. And then it, I had this kind of successful program to help people kind of visualize their futures, which you just talked about. But then my my daughter um, at, at 12, she got really sick. She got cancer. And um, I remember I, I, was, I, was a, I was able and fortunate and, and lucky enough to have the time to take her all over the country to get the treatments that she needed. But you have a lot of time to think. And um, I kept thinking to myself, you know, if I had to write her a letter about what's important in life, what would I tell her? Is it is it chasing dollars? Is it this stressful life? Is it this? Is it whatever? So I, I kind of just kept coming back to the words comfort, peace, and freedom. That should be the goal for all of us. So I started writing those words down. And then the more coaching experiences that I had that I remembered that were such great positive results. I remember my wife saying to me one day, you know, you need to get this beyond the four walls of your company, what, what you're doing. So between Nicole and, and, and Nancy saying, you know, this is what we're doing. I, I had this kind of thing happen to me where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start writing things down. And um, pretty soon, Greg, I had 14 legal pads full of pen and ink. And um, I remember one time I was on an airplane and I'm sitting there scratching feverishly and I'm shaking my hand because it's hurting. And the guy next to me says, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I think I'm writing a book. And he goes, cool, but like you're writing it? Like, you know, we have these typewriter things now. <laughs> I said, yeah, but for me, I, I typed three words and I erased two of them. So I, I can't, I just wrote it out. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I gathered all these notes up and then I literally, I Googled editors in New York and, and looked at a bunch of them, found one. He, he hooked me up with, um, uh, he has about 40 staff members that do ghostwriting and editing. And I, I found this gal and we hit it off right away. So she cleaned up all the stuff that I had, made it into a manuscript. Um, and then from there, it goes to you find an agent. I was lucky to find the best agent in New York, which I stumbled across um, and they took me. Um, and then the, the agent puts it into a marketing form. They push it out to different publishers and then they started bidding on it and you would not believe it. But I mean, I had six companies bidding on this book, um, trying to get it published. And, you know, the, the one that finally got it, um, Harper Collins, they, they only buy 1% of the books they look at, at least that's what I was told. So, you know, just very grateful, very blessed and very fortunate to have made it. You know, I didn't think it would go 10 feet, much less 10 miles. And we just got the uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller status a, a few months ago. And so uh, we're feeling pretty good about it. It's, it's, ama it's amazing. <laughs>
The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust, and each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak, and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. Why do you think the book connected so much with even the from from the publisher standpoint, even obviously to the to the public right now? You know, I I think I I, I this is a great answer. I I wrote a letter about three weeks ago. It's an open letter to parents, and it's it's on my website. And and in the letter, I try to talk about the fact that. I understand what you go through as a parent, okay? You, you, you birth your kids, you clothe your kids, you shelter your kids, you feed your kids, you educate them, you take care of them, you keep them healthy, and then you got to send them to college. Well, that's just some kind of a default mechanism that we've come into. And um, honestly, I understand why they think that way. Um, but for me, it, it, it seems to me that I needed to make sure that people saw all the different options that were available to them, not just the one. And um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's an, in- an interesting question, but I feel really good about the work that we've done. And um, I just can't wait to get this message as, as far and wide as I can. And I think it's a great one. I, I mean, for me, I think it connects, you know, also because there's this, realization, there's this reality to, or almost this unknown reality of blue collar or this mis, you know, all these misconceptions, you know, misconceptions, that there's a lot written about, again, entrepreneurship, you know, or, or, you know, or tech, a lot of the, the quote unquote sexy, you know, right. The, the sexy again, or, or even the norm again, go to college, get, go, get your MBA, you know, or dress this way and go do these kinds of jobs and do all these things. And then along comes blue collar cash, you know, in there and kind of like, Hey, peels back on like, you know, the layer here, you know, she's like, look at again, what's going on over here. You know, it's like, if everyone, as you were saying, if everyone's going in this direction here, this way, you know where I want to go? I want to go over here. Mm-hmm. Because well, yeah. I, I remember a lot of parents when I would when I would tell the story about what's going on in in that world, they would look at me like, wait, wait, what? Like, why didn't anybody tell me that? Like, how come I haven't heard that? Well, you've only heard one side of the story. You've only heard one fifth of the story because these companies, I mean, you got to admit, colleges are great at marketing themselves and they're great at making themselves so relevant and and so you know like necessary and and i get that for the right person i totally get that but i think the time has come especially as this pendulum shifts from a balanced economy to an unbalanced economy or at least an unbalanced workforce i think people are going i mean two things whenever i talk about the pride of a blue collar worker my facebook page just lights up Okay, with yeah, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've been doing this for 40 years and I had a great life. I have, um, and I was able to buy a house, get a vacation house, do everything I want, put money in the bank. This just explosion of emotions comes out of the pride of that type of work. And yet that's that's kind of balanced against this 
this kind of a, you know, societal norm that says you got to go to a higher education in order to make that happen. And they, they continue to fight each other. So I, I think I think this book kind of comes in the middle and says, hey, all these things are good, but let's make sure our kids have a vision of all of them, not just the one or the two. Mm-hmm. So who should be reading it? Should it be the kids, the parents, both? You know, like, as you said, these things that are pushing and pulling in all different directions, the college professors, like who should be reading this? Well, I, I can tell you this. Um, I'll just tell you the best feedback that I've gotten so far. The, the best feedback I've gotten are from parents who've read it and then had their kids read it. And then they have these discussions that they tell me there's no way I would have ever had that discussion with him or her had we not had this material in front of us. It, it, it opened a bunch of questions that we never even asked before. So parents and kids are definitely, and you can get it on Audible. You can, you can listen to it. You don't have to read it. I understand some kids when it comes to books, you know, how that works. But the other interesting thing was people at, um, at companies that run other groups of people that manage people, um, they turned it into a book club kind of thing because if you can get a lot of people visualizing what they want for themselves and they can say, wow, I can get that done with and through your company, you will have a really awesome goal-oriented, you know, just crushing machine in a company. So I've had a lot of good feedback where companies have their employees read it and then they talk about it in, in kind of a, a monthly book club, club fashion kind of thing. And then they implement some of those visualization ideas within their own companies as well. Is there a certain irony to being on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list? There, there is. I mean, if you think about the Wall Street Journal, I mean, it, it's I would say that. If, if you're looking at that newspaper, there's a lot of highly educated people that read that newspaper. And um, yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just blessed and, 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 and really, really grateful that it happened. Um, but I will say this, I, I do get a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of rich people that are miserable because like you said, I mean, they're, they're stuck in positions they can't get out of. They're, they're, they're doctors or lawyers or whatever, and they are in a grind that they just can't get themselves out of because they're controlled by so many other things. So I get a lot of winks from people who, who are really highly educated and even well-to-do who look at me and go, you know what, you're on the right path here, pal. Mm-hmm. You talked about uh, getting involved in coaching, you know, yourself and about how also being being a leader of a company and organization, again, as you grow and again, you're up to hundreds of people there, you become this de facto coach, you know, anyway, I mean, people just start coming to you. I mean, you understand what's going on in HR. You've got people asking for vacation days, personal days, things to talk about. You just become this, this de facto, you know, coach. And I think, again, that role is very Obviously, very, very hard to play. You've got mm, leader, you know, boss, um, colleague, friend, whatever. I mean, hard to be the ditch digger and the CEO too. I mean, sometimes part of, you know, being in the team is like, we get to go dig the ditch and talk about the guy in charge, you know, a little bit too, you know, some of that stuff in, in, in the corporate world, you know, at least. When you're doing your coaching and everything now, I guess... And I see this with a lot of my clients as a coach too. A lot of the men that are coming to me are, if you will, they're at kind of the, the higher level of their company or they're the guy, they're the entrepreneur. So everything goes kind of in the in the downhill. Everyone's coming to them and they're passing all their advice experts as if they have all the answers also. Mm. 
who do you go to for for coaching, for guidance or advice? Because again, these guys come to me and the first thing they say is, I haven't really been talking to anybody. I don't mean, I feel guilty, you know, about bringing that to my employees or my colleagues or even my friends. I don't want to be the guy who's talking about this and wrecking those experiences. Everyone's coming to me as if I got the answers. Yeah, you know, this is is where the... um... This is where that three-letter word ego comes into play for me. And I, I see it a lot. You know, believe it or not, my goal with running my company is to become irrelevant. And, and that's shocking to some people because they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I derive my value from answering all the questions. And when I go home, my wife says, how's your day? And I say, well, I solved this and I fixed this and I solved that and I answered this. Not me. I, 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 my goal is to become irrelevant from a mechanical standpoint and to become very relevant in the personal lives of the people that are doing it. So if, if, if you can say to yourself, you need to care a heck of a lot more about the end user in your company and what they're doing 90 days from now, six months from now, a year from now, what are they chasing? What are they anticipating? Are they achieving their goals? Do they see you as a vehicle they can build their life with? You need to kind of like get rid of the me boss you employee thing. And you need to answer this question, you know, because a lot of people have a lot of choices right now where they can work. And one of the things that I'm noticing is instead of me sitting behind the desk saying, well, why should I hire you? They're saying, well, hey, dude, why should I work here? So those, if, if you can answer that question and, and, and actually support their selfishness, which is a positive word I'm using, then you're going to build a team of amazing people and you will become irrelevant, which should be your goal if, if you're a true entrepreneur, because then you can have find time to, to do other things and to, like you said before, invest in other things or start other companies or, or, or do other things, invest in giving back. We do a lot of charity work here. Um, invest in your free time and uh, and taking care of yourself as well because that's a priority. So, yeah, I, I think um, I, I think a lot of managers would be better off if they just lost all that ego and said, "How can I build a team of of some really you know real butt kicking people that will propel my company much further than I could on my own?" Mm. You are you know, vibrant in, in your presentation, you know, you're super passionate about what you do and, and, and how you do it. I can see you up on stage, you know, writing and talking and coaching. It is blue collar. Also, a lot of these roles are really well suited for introverted people, you know, till, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I even kind of consider myself like an extroverted introvert. You have to be out there, you know, for certain things, but all things being equal, I'd rather kind of be home, you know, be, be by myself, be a little bit more, a little bit more introverted. Do you think that this, the blue collar industries and, and positions, do they attract more of an introverted type person? When you talk about even you know, the camaraderie and being a relative, do they, do they attract a certain kind of person over another type of person? Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't really think so. I, I can tell you that you know, I've had finished carpenters in my house for the last year doing stuff in my kitchen and in my basement and whatnot. And um, I've been around them a lot. I, I think, and I, I don't know, it may not be just finished carpenters, but it seems to me that they're some of the happiest, most jovial, most happy-go-lucky, most um, calm and, and stress-free people out there. And it, it's only because 
they have an enormous amount of control over their life, over, again, their time, their schedule, when they work, how hard they work, the quality of their work. So whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, you can find an amazing life and because both of those types of people appreciate the self-control and they, they, they appreciate the self-destiny and they appreciate the fact that if they want something, they will make it happen. They're not going to wait for somebody else to tell them how to make that happen. So I, I don't know that it, it attracts one or the other. I, I think I think both can be there. But I think what they both have in common, again, is is just that, that, that control over most of the aspects of their life. Where do you see yourself? What's the next phase for you? You know, you've talked about visualization. You've talked about being in, in Nirvana. What have you? What's in your vision for the next five, ten years down the road? Well, you know, I've got a lot of projects. You know, we we need to build another headquarters for our building, and and we're in the process of starting that this summer. So that's a couple year project. Um, I've got a couple other vehicles that I'm looking at that I want to race uh, in in the coming years. So that's that's another thing I want to do. I am always chasing my my better golf game. It is it is such a hard game to play and such a hard game to be good at. And I'm I'm pretty good, but it's I want to get better at that. And um, I I want to continue giving back. I I really love you know I do a lot of work with Junior Achievement, and um, I love doing their webinars. And I really love getting the word out to these to these kids that I mean if if I could prevent a quick story, you know. I had to rent a car one time because my my car was uh, failing and they had to rip the whole dashboard out. It was going to be three weeks. It was a nightmare. So I go to rent the car and here comes this kid from behind the counter and he's got a three piece suit on. And I think each piece was from a different suit, but he was really trying hard and it was super cool. I was I was proud of him. He's putting his best face forward. And he, he's we waited. I had to wait an hour to get this car. So I started talking to him about him and his career. And he said, you know, he said, I, I went to college because my I, my parents told me I had to, and my friends went. Um, I didn't have a reason. I, I now have eighty thousand dollars in debt, and I'm here at this rental car place making twenty six five a year. When does my life get to start? I got buried under all, all this debt. I could have had a house for all that money, and I really think I should have been a carpenter. I really like working with my hands. So I said to him, "Well then." go do that right now. I mean, don't wait another minute. Go find a way to become that carpenter. And I guess if I could prevent one of those stories um, uh, where kids bury themselves in debt with no real reason, that, that's probably the, the mission for me. And it is a great mission to have. Again, as somebody who is raising two boys, you know, right now, and you know, with your daughter, as I said, 15 and 18, you want, you want, you want your kids to be successful. You want your kids to be happy. You know, you want them doing things that bring them, that bring them joy. And as you've mentioned, there's so many ways to do that. You know, there's not just one way. Um, so I really appreciate this and also how timely it is, you know, as you're going through, and frankly, the college application process, and I'll be completely honest with you, I, I don't really think it crossed our mind and came up in conversation. And I can promise you this, it will tonight. Do you really <laughs> want to go? Right. Do you want to go? Do you really know what you want to do? If not, are there things that you want to try? Have a listen to this podcast that I just recorded with Ken today on before it's, let me order you this book. I'm going to, you know, let me show you this, you know, Mm -hmm. also because 
this embracing curiosity and just keeping your eyes and ears open to other other opportunities that exist, you know, and kind of seeing how other people do things and how they've become successful. I think it's just so important, you know, to to not just be fixated, you know, or only see things through through one lens. And everything you're talking about, very different from how I was raised, you know, where I was raised in New York, you know, and going to college and sure. following certain paths. And everyone I knew, you know, frankly, was was white collar in a way. In there too. And I, I just identify with it because I think also as I've gotten older, I've also gotten much more physical, you know, in terms of enjoying activity, being outside, working, oh, absolutely. Hand, doing different things, kind of that notion of being able to move freely, as you said, stand up, do all these things. So I just, I just love all this. And I really appreciate your time and the connection to do this. I think your mission, it's so spot on, you know, and it's, and it's so good. Um, I don't know if you're speaking in high schools or anything now, but I feel like like this needs to get in, you know, at that level, you know, because these are really, this is just something really important to think about. You know, when you've got juniors and seniors in high school for both the kids and the parents, I think it's just, it's so important to, to consider. Well, let me tell you why I, I, you're spot on and, and thank you for that. I, I, I can tell you quickly that I, I recently gave a speech at the Ohio School Counselors Association in Columbus. And, um, you're not allowed to call them guidance counselors anymore, by the way. We always call them guidance counselors. But <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. It's, it's school counselors. And I made that very clear at the, at the beginning, so I didn't make that mistake. But, you know, I thought they were there just to get the education hours and, you know, they were going to make an appearance. And then there's 52 of them in the room. Uh, 45 of them stayed after waited in line to get a signed copy of the book. Now, I didn't think 10 would, 45. And you know what the one thing they had, they had in common was? You need to start saying this as loud as you can because we're not really allowed to say it like you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, if we send a kid home and say, you're gonna be a, you know, you're better off being a plumber. I mean, oh my God, the holy heck will rain down upon us from everybody. So they were really insistent, like, can you make sure you say this loud and clear? Because we can't really say that. And I understand exactly why. I mean, they're not supposed to be making judgment calls for kids. I get that. But to be able to just say, hey, man, there's there's several options here. Look at them all. That's all we're saying. And uh, I think that a lot of kids are going to be better off if they do that. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. Um, guys, the book is Blue Collar Cash. Love your work, secure your future, and find happiness for life. The author is Ken Rusk. He's here with me on the Midlife Mail podcast today. This was amazing. Pick this up anywhere books are are found. It's out there, Harper. I'm looking at the site right now, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to kenrusk.com. All the links are right there also. Um, anywhere else people can find you or should be looking for you. And by the way, they should. you guys should be looking for Ken, okay? You and your kids should be looking for Ken. So pay attention here. Well, just one thing I want to mention, and as I said earlier on, I've been very lucky, very blessed, and I've worked very hard, and, and I'm super grateful for that. This, this is my give back of several things that I do. This is one of my most important missions. And so if, if someone goes to KenRusk.com, you can see the book there. You can also see the course. I'm, I have a, an, a course that, I, that you can 
you can look at online and you can go through it and it will really change the way you see your life by the time you're done. It's only eight sessions. It's only about 40 minutes a session. So it's not a lot of time. But when, when someone purchases that, um, I give one to a child in need. So if you decide to help yourself and help your life, just know that if you do that, you're also going to be helping somebody else as well. So um, I, I give all my profits from the book back to charity and um, I'm not in this to make money or sell books. I'm just in this to kind of help people. And um, I hope people take advantage of that. Listen, that is, that is fantastic. It is, uh, it's authentic. It is genuine. It is transparent. Guys, it is all out there. Pick up this copy of the book. Take that course. Not only help yourself, help somebody else. Ken Rusk, Midlife Mail Podcast. Guys, if you like what you're hearing on the program, please, again, Leave us that five-star rating. Write us that nice review. Share it out there for everybody um, so we can keep this midlife male movement growing uh, and be able to bring you more incredibly inspiring, motivating, super educated in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. uh, men like, like Ken Rusk who are out there living their message um, and really shedding light and insight and experience on, on super valuable topics out there. So Ken, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. All the best to you and everybody out there. I really appreciate you having me today. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.